0: Joe Biden is old and weak and it's not going well. We're going to talk about that raid that's going on. We have Matt Schlapp joining us tonight. It's going to be a blast on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. It's time to talk some foreign policy. Joe Biden, Syria. What happened today? Allow me to do just a little setup on this for those who don't understand what's going on. Syria, you probably know, not exactly a vacation destination. It is a war-torn place. it's, It's got an ugly, established government, and it has parts of it that aren't even controlled by the government. They've been fighting rebels in that country for a long time. Maybe, as an American, you're sitting there saying, yeah, rebels, fight against the government. Eh, hold on on that. The rebels oftentimes are al-Qaeda. Sometimes they're ISIS. There's a gigantic portion of the country, home to about 3 million people. The government has no control. The rebels still have control of it, isn't it? Wow, that's how, that's how some of the world still is. Count your blessings to be an American, right? <clears throat> so what happened? Well, this is what we do know. What we do know is there was a raid. This is what Joe Biden had to say about it.
1: Last night, operating on my orders, the United States military forces successfully moved a major terrorist threat to the world, the global leader of ISIS, known as Haji Abdullah. As our troops approached to capture the terrorist, in a final act of desperate cowardness, he with no regard to the lives of his own family or others in the building, he chose to blow himself up, not just to the vest, but to blow up that third floor rather than face justice for the crimes he has committed, taking several members of his family with him, just
0: as his predecessor did. Okay. That's the leader of ISIS. You heard what happened. I've been speaking with friends of mine who would know, and details are still coming out, so I'm going to hold back some things, but I will tell you this. Here's what we do know. We flew in a bunch of helicopters, a bunch of special operations guys. I'm talking, and I'm not gonna, look, all the information on who specifically was there, I don't know. Was this Delta Force, was this the SEALs? Was it SEAL Team Six? Was it some Rangers involved? There usually are, or Green Berets. Let's, Let's just hold off on all that. We flew in helos, we had drones available. This was a major operation. We had apparently known or thought we knew that this guy was in this compound for quite some time. We'd known about it for so long that we had mock-ups built of the building so our guys knew what to to do, where to go, where to turn when we went inside. That's the situation on the ground. They're telling us one of the helos malfunctioned. We don't know the story. One of the helos didn't work anymore so we had to burn one of the helos out. We do that so the enemy can't get their hands on our advanced technology there. What do we know? The head of ISIS is dead. Women and children are dead. We're still waiting to get an update on our guys. As of right now, it looks like all of our guys are alive, possibly some wounded we don't know yet. How should you think about this? Here's how you should think about it. Be happy a terrorist is dead. Look, anytime you take out the leader of ISIS, that's a good thing. Anytime you take out the leader of ISIS, that's a good thing. One. Two, be happy all of our guys are alive. That is another good thing, obviously. Don't have to tell you that. The women and children, part of it. Did he blow them up? Probably. That's ISIS MO. ISIS does that a lot. Probably did. Are we responsible for that? It's perfectly acceptable to ask these questions, especially after the Biden administration just got done incinerating 10 innocent people with a Reaper drone in Afghanistan. I don't know. And I'll tell you something else, and this sucks, Right? I don't know that we're ever gonna know. When it comes to corrupt regimes like we have, you can't ever bank on the information you're getting. You can't bank on it being accurate. I do know this, timing looks a little weird. Joe Biden is one of the least popular presidents in the history of America at this point in his presidency. A lot of people are saying now that he'll be remembered as one of the 10 worst presidents of all time after one year in office. The president is unpopular on every issue. That's actually hard to do. To have the American people universally look at you on every single issue and say, Oh, he sucks it. Well, all of it. That's a big deal. And as we've talked about before, presidents, kings, dictators, I don't care. Pick your name for any, any person who leads a government throughout history. They have historically done military things on foreign soil to raise their approval numbers. I don't know that that's what this was. I don't. I, I, all we can do is speculate at this point in time. I know the Biden administration. Look, I mean, look, this is Gen Saki stepping in it once again
1: the beginning, uh, we've been able to evacuate more than 120,000 people uh, from Afghanistan, some American citizens, many of them Afghan partners and allies, people who have fought alongside us uh, during the 20-year war. Um, And that is the largest evacuation since the Vietnam War.
2: So
0: Okay, they're comparing it to the Vietnam War and bragging about all the people we got out after they left people there. Okay, this president's been a foreign policy disaster, and people are still mad about Afghanistan, and the Biden administration knows this. I know enough political pollsters to know that is a huge issue for the voters. A huge reason why Joe Biden is still unpopular is Afghanistan. This is not something people have let go. They have not let go of that image of 13 of our warriors dead and their coffins coming out of the back. They've not let go of the image of Joe Biden checking his watch while he's there. It's supposed to be a solemn memorial ceremony. They have not let that go. The Biden administration knows this. Were these things taken into account before we launched a raid in Syria? I don't know. And again, I don't know that we'll ever know. But back to what we were just talking about. You know when Julius Caesar was assassinated... You don't know about this because he was assassinated. He didn't get to pull it off. You know what he was getting ready to do? He was getting ready to gather up the legions and go raid Parthia. Why? His approval numbers had dropped into the toilet. He wasn't popular anymore. And it was just simply known back then as now. A good foreign war can get those approval numbers back up. Gets that feeling of patriotism welled up in people. And I'll say this. I wish we didn't have a system where something like this happened and we had to ask these questions and we had to have this conversation. Don't you wish that? Don't you wish we just had, whether it be Republican, Democrat, just, just down the line patriotism? Well, I'm sure whatever he did, even if I disagree, I'm sure he had the country's best interests at heart. Don't you wish you had that? Man, I do. We don't. It is what it is. I mean, I want you to look at this human being. Do you think this human being was out there deeply involved in the decision to do a raid in Syria? Come on. And once more, I know you've heard me say it again. Come on, Jill Biden. I I, I don't I don't know the nature of your relationship. I don't care. It's not my business. I don't I don't care at all. You are, however, his wife. Don't you look at that video, Jill, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a bad, bad, bad person for allowing my husband to go through this. I'll tell you what, that elder abuser, she must really, really, really enjoy being First Lady. The trappings of power must be really nice. Those flights on Air Force One, Secret Service, he got personal assistance. You got a press secretary. Life must be good to be first lady to allow your husband to go through that. Good grief. Right, here he is walking around the White House. Has to be reminded by Amy Klobuchar about the mask. <laughs> sad, really. Honestly, it is, and he gets up in front of people, and he can't he can't speak anymore. Politicians are supposed to be able to speak, right? That's kind of an important part of the job. You have to get up and give a speech to people, and Joe Biden can't do it either. He uh, sounds so tired. Or he does this weird yelling thing and it never comes off right and it never comes off as genuine at all. Or just kind of gets mad for a second. Or he does this whispering thing that is really, really creepy.
1: I was told, oh, well, patients don't want to share their data. They all want to share their data. <laughs> Sometimes you all don't want to share what you know.
0: Okay, look, we have a dangerous situation right now, and it's not just that the Russia-Ukraine tensions are high. It's not just the China tensions are high. Our desperate situation, our dangerous situation, I should say, is this. We have an administration with approval ratings that are really, really bad. We have midterm elections coming up, coming right around the bend real soon. They are desperate. They are desperate to get those numbers back up. Let's keep in mind, we are dealing with an administration, not just Joe Biden himself, but I'm talking across the board. We are dealing with a federal government that has proven over the last two years they're more than willing to watch you die for power. They are. What would a desperate Biden administration do to get approval numbers back up so they didn't lose the House in the midterms, lose the Senate in the midterms? Well, it'd be a lot shorter list if you asked me what wouldn't they do. These people would do anything. We'll keep our eyes on it. All right, we got truckers for freedom tonight. We still got Matt Schlapp on the show. It's going to be a great night tonight. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, there's something else that might make you uncomfortable. You know Mark Chagin, of course. Everyone knows Mark Chagin. He's that Wall Street guy, financial genius, who called the last major financial problem in this country. He called it well ahead of time. He's famous for it now, obviously. He is predicting a major event in 2022 will cause another one. Now, if you want to find out what that is, good news, it's free of charge. You just got to go to 2022marketmessage.com and find out what Mark is saying. Now, I almost wish I hadn't gone, but I did. And oh, 2022marketmessage.com. Go see what Mark has to say and prepare accordingly. All right, we'll be back.
2: I'm going to tell you a secret.
0: It's a secret all tyrants know, and yet the civilians, the citizens of their population, oftentimes don't know. They don't realize it. You ready? The tyrants are scared, and they're not that powerful. And it's crazy when you think about that, right? When you think about the government. Let's use ours, for example. We're actually not going to talk about America here quite yet, but let's use ours. You think about the president. And you think to yourself, man, President, he's got an army around him and Secret Service and FBI doing whatever he wants. The President is all powerful. Here I am, a lowly citizen. Let me tell you something. The President is well aware the people of the United States of America are much, much, much more powerful than he is. We're a peaceful people, as we should be, and that's good. We want to stay that way. But the President knows And this goes well beyond presidents and prime ministers. Tyrants throughout history have always known this. This is just something they figure out because they always rise to power this way. They figure out, man, it could be me next. Hitler knew it, Stalin knew it, Mao knew it, Gaddafi knew it, Saddam knew it, they all knew it. That's part of the reason tyrants are so brutal on their population. They're always trying to beat people down and make them so scared so the people get under the impression that the tyrant is this all-powerful being. The tyrant never is. The tyrant banks on people being divided and people being scared and people not realizing they hold all the power. Would you like a prime example? Canada is a powerful nation. I know that's funny to say, but no, they are. They're a big-time, big-boy, powerful nation. And they have had a a tyrant named Justin Trudeau in charge for some time. And Justin Trudeau, he knows, he understands that his power is not universal. He gets it. The people probably didn't realize this for a while. So Trudeau did what almost all tyrants seem to do. He just kept pressing them and pressing them and pressing them and pressing them. Just keep poking them in the ribs and poking them in the ribs and poking them in the ribs. I don't know why tyrants do this, but they all seem to make this mistake. And finally, he poked one too many times, and the people who make a nation go, truckers, they've had quite enough of it. <laughs> ¶¶ That's the sound of freedom right there. So what's happening? They organized this gigantic trucker convoy. They descended onto Ottawa. The shelves are empty. People, freedom-loving Canadians are coming out. Justin Trudeau packed it up and ran away, terrified, as tyrants always seem to do. But then Justin Trudeau started making public statements. Threats. Get rid of these. These are racist. All these things started making these public statements. Well... Something happened, the protests didn't go away, the protests began to grow. As you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, the protests are still growing. That means Justin Trudeau already lost. Some major Canadian politicians are already stepping up and saying, we lost, let's give people their freedom back. This is the leader of Saskatchewan, it's one of the Canadian provinces. They're states, mind you.
1: What's necessary is your freedom. What's necessary is getting your life back to normal. And it's time. I want to thank all of you for the sacrifices that you've made over the past two years. I know the people of Saskatchewan are ready for these next steps. And you're going to be here hearing more details about these next steps in the days ahead.
0: Oh, they're caveing. And look, what happens when tyrants begin to lose power like this? As they try, they seek out all their friends to try to get them to hang on to power. You see this trucker convoy raised over $10 million. There's a massive popular uprising behind it. $10 million got behind this thing. Only they raised it on GoFundMe. Don't ever do that, by the way. They raised it on GoFundMe. GoFundMe froze the, the, froze the money. That's what happens. Keep in mind, this is the same GoFundMe that shut down all the Kyle Rittenhouse fundraisers even though Kyle Rittenhouse was not guilty and everybody knew it. Again, stop using GoFundMe, but besides that, systems do everything in their power when they get scared and desperate and they feel like that power is being taken away from their hands. You see, American truckers right now, they're organizing a major convoy too, as they should. Go get them, truckers. They're talking about sending this convoy to Washington, D.C. Can you imagine what a site that would be? And they're starting to organize. And what are they doing to organize? What are they using to organize? Well, same thing we all do. They're all getting online. They're getting on various social media sites, social media sites like Facebook. Well, they were anyway. You see, Facebook just decided to ban Ban the trucker group that was organizing a peaceful protest that that is funny because when illegal immigrants were invading the united states of america as they still are i guess i shouldn't say were when illegal immigrants were invading the united states of america they organized it on facebook and whatsapp and it was never shut down at all now what am i talking about Why, why am i bringing this up well here's why i'm bringing this up the truckers this thing is big this thing is starting to extend not just to america this is starting to extend to europe we are about to see i feel this coming we're about to see a real popular uprising where the people in all nations in all western nations who've been crushed by these tyrants are going to start rising up and peacefully resisting okay that's the good news well here's some bad news not the end of the world but it's some bad news Don't think the tyrants who have spent the last two years abusing you, rubbing their naked corruption in your face at every turn, rubbing their high life in your face, no mask on, vacations in Florida where they lock you down and jab your kids. Don't think these tyrants are just going to let it go easily or quietly. That simply is not something that happens very often. They are going to fight back. They are desperate, scared people, and they're going to do everything they can to hang on to power. They will. They're going to pull the Facebook moves. They're going to use all their friends in federal law enforcement. They're going to do everything they can do to try to quell this uprising. Don't let them. Do not be intimidated. And don't ever, ever, ever think they're in charge. They think they're in charge. They want to be in charge. They're not in charge. You are. The truckers of the United States of America are more powerful than the United States military. When the trucking stops, everything stops. The tyrants know this now. And believe me, they're going to do something about it. All right. We got Matt Schlapp. He's going to be joining us next. He's got plenty to say. But first, Eden Pure Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I know you probably have air purifiers. Everyone has air purifiers. Help get all that gunk out of the air. What if you could have one that didn't have a filter you had to replace? It's quiet. You hardly even know it's on. Doesn't take up any floor space. It's just this little black box goes right in the outlet in the wall. And it works better than anything else. It doesn't cover up the odors in your home. It eliminates them completely. It works so well... I threw away my over-the-counter allergy medication I'd taken for years and years. That's the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And I own three of them. That's how well it works. I've had people write me, they own seven of them. I have people that watch my show, they put one in every room of the house. I don't blame them. That's how incredible these things are. They're selling three packs right now to my viewers for under 200 bucks. That's a three pack for under 200 bucks. $200 in savings. You got to go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE. All right, we'll be back with Matt.
2: I wore my mask the entire game,
1: and when people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath, and I put it here, and people could see that. There's a 0% chance of infection from that.
0: (laughs) He, He holds his breath! It's fine. I totally believe that. (laughs) Joining me now, my friend Matt Schlapp. He's, of course, the chairman of CPAC, and he's also the author of the book The Desecrators, released this month. I would highly recommend it. Matt, he holds his breath, man. I don't know what you're worried about.
1: Uh, You know, uh, these people are super morons, Jesse. I just, (laughs) I can't even understand. My my 10-year-old could explain to him why he's illogical, but I don't think she's going to get the chance.
0: Uh, Matt, why do these people get elected? I mean, Los Angeles, love it or hate it. I've had some good times there, some bad times too, but it's not a dumb city. It's a major city, a very important city on the world stage, certainly an important city in this country, and their mayor is a moron. How does that happen? But, you know, I saw a poll
1: that came out from Monmouth the other day, and it said basically independence and Republicans are acting like they're the same. And 70 to 80% of Republicans and independents don't want to talk about the virus anymore. It might be a big or small problem for their health, but they want to get back to normal. But what was strange is for these socialists and Democrats, a majority of them are so scared of the virus, they still want to change society uh, out of the fear that they might get affected. It's just, it has become the dividing mark between whether you're a sane calm thinking person or you're a lunatic.
0: Matt, we have now a new study out and there are going to be a lot more of these coming saying lockdowns did nothing. Now, I realize that's a bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow with the job loss and the mental health. And and just look, I'm not going to go down the list. Everyone knows the lockdowns have been devastating. That's a tough pill to swallow. But we do need people to swallow it, right? I, I, unless we get around unless we come around yeah. and put our arms around this this fact that lockdowns don't work, we're just gonna do this again the next time someone gets the sniffles.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing I think that's the most upsetting for me for my kids when we sit around and talk about this. You know, most of the kids were willing to take steps because they thought they were gonna protect their grandparents. and that's kind of how this was explained to them. If you don't do these things, you're gonna kill. Your grandparents. Well, what they've noticed over time is their grandparents are in much worse health because they, they feel like they can't leave their houses. Uh, you know, this whole Australia, New Zealand approach to the virus is incredibly damaging. And I do think it's right. Look, it's like the election. It's like BLM's failure. BLM has done nothing but make young black people and, and black communities less safe. It's true on the virus. Everything they told us was wrong. They should admit they were wrong, and we should go back to learning what the science tells us. And I think for those of us who have been speaking up throughout this whole time, it's painful to get canceled, but we just got to keep talking our way through it because eventually you got to believe there's enough sound Americans that they'll begin to listen to reason.
0: Matt, why were they all wrong? Now, I realize, obviously, I don't have to explain to you that government is dumb and inefficient. You've been preaching that message for a long, long time now. I I get that. But we still had smart people, doctors, people with medical degrees, scientists got this thing so wrong. And I mean really wrong from the very beginning.
1: Why? Well, this is personal for me as the head of CPAC because they blamed me... They blame CPAC for like an international pandemic when Trump came and we had one person who was infected and I called all of these smart people in all of these important medical roles and I said, what do I do to tell the 10,000 people who are like near panicking that they just got infected? And the, the first thing they told me was that it's hard to actually get it. You'll know within five to seven days if, you'll, if you got it and don't wear a mask. It doesn't do any good. It's just a phony symbol and don't do not start telling everyone they got to wear masks because the problem with masks is you end up touching them so much that any kind of uh ability you had to be free of uh, germs ends as soon as you start doing that and so that's the advice i gave everyone why did they shift on masks because they had nothing they could say so they made it up because they thought well it'll make us look like we're something that they could do and that's what they did on every one of these things Two weeks to stop the spread turned into two years in Australia. It could be a decade. Uh, you know, all lies. Uh, you're going to kill grand. You're going to kill grandma and grandpa. All lies. There's no evidence that these kids were killing their grandparents. There's no evidence that the vaccine uh, has done very much to stop the spread. There's no evidence that the vaccine keeps you from going to the hospital, which. We constantly get told there's no evidence that ivermectin is nothing but a horse dewormer. Matter of fact, it's the opposite where it's had this amazing and very cheap uh, positive impact on people's health. And by the way, they still don't talk about vitamin deficiencies as being a driver to getting uh, infected. And it's clear that vitamin D deficiency is a big part of this. That would be the simplest thing for Americans to do. Why won't the doctors say it? I think these solutions are too cheap.
0: You know what? You're so right, too. And they don't talk about being fat. And look, I'm not no. pointing fingers at everyone. I'm a little bit softer than I need to be myself. I'm certainly <laughs> not a Greek god over here. But, I mean, that's clearly something we're seeing that's across right. the board. And it's not something that we're just now finding out. It was obvious early on, if you're fat, you're susceptible to it. Yet not one government commercial has been run that said, hey, go for a walk.
1: In the midst of all this panic, I noticed that Chris Christie got infected with a virulent strain of chinese corona and lived to eat muffins and tell about it. So even obesity wasn't enough to get a death sentence when you got this thing, but it's true, these were common sense steps. As soon as this thing broke out, I did a couple things. I went on a diet, I started getting a lot more sunshine, and I stopped smoking cigars because at that point they really thought your lungs would get compromised, uh, could be easily compromised. So it's like there's some common sense things we could do. If you say that like I did after that first CPAC, Jesse, you were there. 10,000 people in a sweaty ballroom, one patient. I learned later that we actually had two patients. We didn't have this massive spread. There wasn't any deaths. You know That should have told us immediately, as scary as this is if you're in these bad health conditions, it wasn't a death sentence for everybody. We didn't need to panic. We didn't need to shut down our economy, and we didn't need to then make it almost impossible for Donald Trump to win a second term.
0: That was a fun CPAC, too, Matt. Uh, Matt, I can't come this was year. It? I might be able to come. I'm trying to move some things around. I'm trying to I come this gonna year, the... I think you're going to make it happen. I think you're going to
1: make it happen. I don't know why I feel this way. I feel like it, we're going to get some good news.
0: I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, I'm trying. All right, moving on here real quick. Kevin McCarthy. He said some things I really liked to The Daily Caller. He said, we're going to have some investigations coming for Joe Biden if in, Lord willing, when the Republicans take back the House of Representatives. Matt, I'm sorry, I don't want to sound petty and vengeful, but we have to have some kind of an accounting for this administration's corruption so far. This was music to my ears, man. Think about it.
1: Marjorie Taylor Greene, she can be stripped of her committee assignments.
0: Jim Jordan, Jim
1: Banks, they're not allowed to sit on the 1-6 committee. Uh, you got the, the attorney general indicting Steve Bannon when he doesn't follow a corrupt and illegitimate committee's illegitimate subpoena. What the Democrats are doing is it's pure cronyism. It's corrupt. And what Kevin McCarthy is saying is right, because I'm telling you, if the Republicans get the majority and they go back to playing patty cake, I don't think there's going to be any Republicans left.
0: All right, finally, we have an announcement from the Prez himself about CPAC.
1: Hello, everyone. I'll be attending CPAC again this year, Orlando, Florida. Matt and Mercy have done a fantastic job, but I said, if you don't mind, get a bigger ballroom this year. Last year, it was packed and there were thousands of people outside, and they said we're going to get a real big one. So I will see you soon. Going to be a fantastic crowd. CPAC is terrific. They do a great
0: job. Let's have fun. That freaking guy makes me laugh. All right, Matt, I I have to ask. I don't mean to put you on the spot here. Can we just keep CPAC in Florida permanently? Gosh, Florida is so much better than D.C. Not that you didn't put on great events in D.C., but I am I can't be around that environment anymore. How about I do you one better?
1: Last year, we did a national CPAC in Orlando, and then we did a national CPAC in Dallas. In August, so we're gonna not only do the National CPAC in Orlando this month, we're gonna do it in August in Dallas. So uh, yes, I like what you're saying. And let me just say, Jesse, real fast, it must be very hard to be Don Jr. or Eric. You see what the president's doing? He's always pushing me. He's like, Matt, do a better job. <laughs> this is the biggest yes. political conference in the world, but he'd like me to make it a little bigger. So there you go.
0: Yes, yeah, see CPAC's just not big enough, Matt. I'm sorry. slap <laughs> 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 Thank you, my brother. All right, thanks, Jesse. Oh, uh, Trump makes me laugh. All right, we have Chef Andrew Gruel coming up next. We have some serious stuff to talk about, like food. And obviously, we have some other stuff talking about business, small business, restaurants, and other things. But first, let's talk about something that is actually serious. If you own a home, you have a home title. I know, whoa, breaking news! But you do, you have a home title. It's online now. And I'd say that to you a lot because it was a shock when I found that out. I had no idea. I, I opened up my email one day and I'm looking at my home title and it's got my signature on it as, if, as it as if I'm taking out a loan or selling my house. Your home title's online and they hack into them. It's this huge cyber crime that's sweeping the country right now. You might already be a victim of it. You wouldn't even know it. So it takes two or three months before you start getting eviction notices, late payment notices. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and put in your address. It's free. Put in your address and see if you're already a victim of it. While you're there, sign up. That way you don't become one. They'll detect any tampering and shut it down like that. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back.
2: Joining me now is my
0: friend, executive chef and CEO of Slapfish, Chef Andrew Gruel. Chef, first and foremost, before we get into all the nitty-gritty business stuff, I'm an egg freak. I admit I probably eat too many eggs. I eat eggs in the morning. I'll eat eggs for lunch. I put eggs on pizza. I'll put them on cheeseburgers. You appear to have mastered the eggs. So before I get into egg foods, foods you should add eggs to, what do people get wrong when they're making eggs? Or whether they be over easy, scrambies. I'm sure that you have some kind of chef technique where people are screwing it up.
2: Yeah, great question. Thank you. And I can only imagine what the uh, studio smells like right now. Uh, the key with eggs is that temperature, right? People cook it at way too high of a temperature. Don't go higher than low to medium low. Leave it on for a while. Let it get up to heat. Don't just blast it on full blast. Temperature is key with the eggs because the quicker that those proteins coagulate, the worse it is for the eggs, the harder it is. And you don't want to brown eggs either. So, no matter how you're cooking them, scramble, over easy, poached, boiled, uh, you know, sun cooked, low heat.
0: All right, Chef, finally, before we get on to the business aspect of it, I said something about putting eggs on pizza, just dropping it over easy egg on that pizza, letting it cook in there. And I caught some heat for that whole thing, but I'm 100% right. Eggs should be added to like everything, should they not?
2: 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Eggs on pizza, I mean, that's just a no-brainer. We've been putting eggs on our breakfast pizza for years, and uh, it's a thing. I've never even gotten any pushback. Maybe it's you. See? See? That's
0: a professional chef, everybody. All right. In all seriousness, New York is banning natural gas in their new buildings, Chef. Now, obviously, people hear this and they immediately think about heating homes and whatnot. Um, What kind of challenge is this going to present to the restaurant capital of the country? Yeah, well, it's impossible. I mean, it's a joke. And the fact
2: that we're even talking about it is exactly what they want. I almost feel like they throw these things out there to kind of use as a diversion. And then if they actually get traction and they get a little bit of stickiness to it, they'll move with it. They will ban it if they could although they also know that it's unrealistic because the same people who are trying to ban gas are the ones that are going to buy the Wolf Range with the largest gas output, right? So it's not about them banning it for the environment. It's about you not being able to cook with gas, making your life more difficult, right? You've got to cook on an electric stove that's virtually impossible. And furthermore, when they move everything over to electrify the entire house, the commercial kitchen, whatever it is, there's naturally gonna be rolling blackouts because they never think about that. They don't think one step ahead. And then when there's rolling blackouts, guess what? You can't use your stove. So effectively, this is one step away from starving people. But let's just look at it from the culinary perspective. You cannot cook on electric for multiple reasons. Number one, you can't get the heat high enough. And if you ultimately do get it high enough, the attempt to turn it back down again takes a year. And then number two, The amount of electricity that it actually takes to run a kitchen, whether it's induction, you know, induction is more magnetic, but they're going to push towards that next. But, you know, just the pure electric element of this, we're going to be using microwaves. Every single piece of your kitchen is going to be a microwave. Mark my word, the next restaurant, it's called The Wave. You come in, you grab something from the frozen freezer, and like a diner where there was a jukebox at your table, now there's a microwave, and then you microwave it yourself. Chef,
0: I'm glad you actually brought this up about the future of it. Because, I, I mean, I called New York the restaurant capital of America. Maybe you would disagree with that. You would certainly know more than me. But it, it was a great restaurant city. I mean, there are a lot of great restaurant cities. Big cities tend to be great for restaurants. Is that going to change as these cities, I mean, more than just crime-ridden, as they make everything more expensive, as everything goes more green, do you see the restaurant industry kind of dispersing more from the cities and heading out to the burbs?
2: Yeah, 100%. And it's already happening, right? And it's happening on various levels, right? So you've got fine dining, Uber kind of over-the-top, haute cuisine, if you will. They're all failing in these major cities. So they're going to start moving out to the burbs, but they're going to spin it and pitch it as, oh, we want to be closer to nature. We want to be closer to the point of our food, right? But really, it's because <laughs> they can't. cities. And then you have the franchisors and the franchisees who realize we're being over-regulated in these cities, so they're going to move to places like middle america you know you're going to start seeing the biggest brands pop up in Kalamazoo, michigan toledo ohio places like that california just passed or they're trying to pass ab257 which is a bill which effectively creates a joint employership between franchisors and franchisees so if a franchisee uh, treats their employees wrong the franchisor is going to have to pay for it and that is going to really kill franchising in california and you're going to see the same thing happen in cities because what happens in california happens in chicago new york heck miami any of these major cities so that's going to decimate the restaurant industry it's going to pull all the large franchisors into these rural um off the beaten path cities like i said toledo ohio i'm naming these cities because we're we're researching them heck our number one market is is the, the suburbs around indianapolis it's it's it doubles average unit volumes than Southern California, New York, the uh, the DC area, DMV. We kill we 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 kill it in these other cities, Albuquerque, New Mexico. For as liberal as they seem, their liberals is a different liberal than the cities. It's a great market for us.
0: How about that? Albuquerque. You know, I've had some great meals in Albuquerque. That doesn't surprise me. Hatch green chilies, extremely underrated, but we're not going to go into that right now. Uh, uh, chef, are you experiencing food shortages of some kind? I'm assuming so. We see all these pictures of empty shelves. What challenges are the restaurant industry facing?
2: Yeah. So it hits the restaurant industry first, right? You don't find find out about the wholesale piece because we're not taking pictures of empty delivery trucks. But I would say that 30 to 40% of every single one of my deliveries at all my restaurants including all my friends who own restaurants are they're shorted products. And, and majority of the time those are main products they need to operate so then they end up running out to wholesale stores Smart and Finals, you know, spending a lot of time and extra money just trying to get the products they need to operate. It is 100% across the board. There is no lies to it. It's the reality of life right now and you know, what, do you, what, what, do you, what are you gonna do? I mean, at this point it's like, it's it's just become commonplace.
0: So what does a restaurant do? I mean, you're obviously, you know how to run one. What does a restaurant do? Okay, we were supposed to get a uh, hundred pounds of chicken wings and some pepperoni today. The pepperoni didn't come Do you jack prices. You simply start slashing the menu. How do you respond?
2: A little bit of all that, uh, you know, cut the menu, limit hours, increased prices, cut labor, Do anything that you can in order to protect the bottom line while still maintaining at least some baseline brand in order to get people in the door. Ah, that sucks.
0: All right, here was uh, Pete Buttigieg talking about transportation. Think about the fact that when somebody's about to get in the car or go somewhere,
1: we might say drive safe. (laughs) We don't do that with most other routine, everyday activities in civilian life, partly because we have, as a society, acted to make sure that more and more everyday activities are certain to
0: be safe. When somebody's headed to a restaurant, we don't say, eat safe today. unless you're in Mexico. But honestly, do we have the dumbest people in charge? It's not just that they say these dumb things. You could tell, he thought that was pretty clever. Well, you don't tell people to eat safe.
2: Yeah. And the scary part is, is that it was probably a speechwriter who gave him that. And then when he saw that line, he was like, this is why we pay you the big bucks. That's the most. <laughs> absurd. In addition, obviously, he's never eaten at a Taco Bell because, you know, you want to talk about safety. Jeez, they got four bathrooms per table. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, when I when I'm talking about going out to eat. um, But in reality, you know, these people believe this stuff. That's the scariest part is they are so detached from the everyday experience of an average, or even an above average, you know, you and I are talking here, an above average group of people, they're detached from that reality. They don't understand the way the world operates. They have people picking them up every single day, giving them, you know, a call sheet of exactly who they're gonna meet, when they're gonna meet, what they're gonna say, when they're gonna speak. They have people basically putting them to bed at night, giving them a warm glass of milk and a cookie. This guy doesn't understand how the world works.
0: Chef Andrew Gruel, thank you so much. My brother get down to Houston soon. I can't wait to come eat at Slabfish.
2: You know it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. We got light in the mood next. Hey, we got a special tomorrow. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell. You're going to enjoy it. If you become a first Tv supporter, go download the app. The apps free. And then become a supporter of the first tv go to the first support sign up you get all of our specials on on demand george soros kamala you name it you get them all we'll be back with light in the mood all right it's time to lighten the mood joe biden was in new york today And I have to tell you, I know it's immature, but I really, really, really enjoy when people ruin the on the street broadcasts of reporters. Maybe because I hate reporters. I mean, they've become a completely hostile force to the United States of America. So whenever I see someone ruin one of their broadcasts, it makes me smile.
1: Heading into the midterm elections, Mike, what, what do we know about what the president plans to say today? Well, Craig, there are really three pillars to the president's crime strategy that he's eager to talk about here in New York today. First is what you mentioned, not just uh, increasing funding for police, but really doing everything that they can to bolster resources for law enforcement across the board the second has to deal with trying to tackle some of the root causes of, of crime that's in community intervention programs rehab programs for formerly incarcerated individuals and then he's going to be joined by the Attorney General Merrick Garland here to focus on some of the new announcements coming it's out of the justice Jesus department at uh, efforts that they're taking uh, to try to ramp it's up it's enforcement especially of ghost guns as you can it's probably it's hear some of the circus around me here it's craig it's what it's it's the it's president it's understands it's as it's you can it's tell it's from it's the charge rhetoric behind me is this is going to be a
0: really it's big it's issue it's in, it's in the midterm election was the best all right make sure you watch our special our special is about old people in congress You'll enjoy that. I'll see you.